Hello, guys, and thank you for listening and watching another episode of Live Free Podcast, where I talk about living a life of freedom, rest, and expansion in Christ Jesus. Happy Thursday. Thank you all so much for tuning in to this um, particular podcast. And as you can see from the thumbnail, I am going to be speaking and uh, talking about the making of a prophet. How do you know you are called or even chosen? The making of a prophet, the making of God's mouthpiece. So let's hop right into it. I'm not going to be here long. I just want to go ahead and get this word out that God has given me maybe a few weeks ago. And I just give them in the order in which he gives them to me and which um, also the order in which he wants me to release them. So I can have a word, but then he'll say, release this on, you know, this week or release this one. So today is going to be the making of a prophet. And how do you know you are called or even chosen? Because we know that all are called, but few are even chosen for the purpose and the plan of God. And let's get into it because we're going to be talking about um, even some of the things that um, the signs and the experiences based on my own experience uh, being raised up by the Holy Spirit and by leaders um, and just giving you my personal experience of being called as a prophet and how do you know and you know we have all these questions and I've done a video like this before it was kind of similar but this is a little bit different because we're going to be going more into more detail in regards to the different things and the different uh, characteristics and attributes of prophets and even some in frost false prophecy, false prophets, and people that um, are not called to the prophetic, um, but they're coming up with their own prophecies and they're piggybacking off of other prophets that have set in the counsel of the Lord. So today we're going to be talking about the making of a prophet and how do you know? How do you know? So let's start in the book of Jeremiah because we know that Jeremiah was a prophet. He was actually a weeping prophet. And now uh, different prophets have different characteristics, but how do you know that God is calling you to this platform? He's calling you to the office or he's calling you to be a prophet to the nations or to your church or to your family. Prophets have different assignments and they are not, it's not an all size, um, all size fits, you know, all one size fits every, everyone when it comes to prophetic and when it comes to prophecy and when it comes to prophets. It is this, uh, um, a call that is designed specifically for you. God has a call specifically for you. He has an assignment, a purpose, a destiny specifically designed for you. This is why you can't look at other people. You can't piggyback off of other people because everybody is an original. You know, if two of us are the same, then one of us is not necessary. So it's very important that as we uh, walk into our calling and as we mature and we grow in the things of God, that we are not looking to other people's characteristics or mannerisms or even uh, words, you know, um, that God is doing with them because God may have an original assignment for you. We were all born an original. We don't need to die a copy of someone else. So it's good to glean from mentors and from 
uh, seasoned prophetic people, and that's vitally important. I want to say that as well. It's vitally important that we glean from seasoned prophets and that we sit until God commissions us or sends us out. And we don't go prematurely because we can not only mess up our destiny, but we can also mess up others that are following us and that are looking at us. And a lot of times with young prophets, we don't want to sit. We don't want to be seasoned. We don't want to be taught. But in order to uh, really walk in the full maturation and authority that God has given you as a prophetic individual, as a prophetic believer in the body of Christ and the kingdom of God, in order to really walk into that, we have to be willing to be first and foremost teachable. We need to have a teachable spirit. And that only comes through by way of humility. So humility comes before honor, but pride comes before destruction. So we have to be careful that it just because you are called, that doesn't mean that you have been commissioned or sent out or God has said, okay, now it's time to turn the lights on. And then you have the reverse. You have sometimes people are called, they have been commissioned, and they're still sitting on their hands, and they're still not releasing words, and they're still not going forth in the prophetic gift that God has called them to. They would have all these dreams and all these things that God is speaking to them and having them to give a word to a particular person, uh, a circumstance, or even a, a body of Christ, or leadership, or whatever the uh, assignment is and they will not do it because of fear of man and I have a video on that so I may link this because that's going to be a direct connection with why people don't walk into their calling. You're waiting for someone to, to, to see it in you. You're waiting for someone to call you out. And sometimes it does happen like that. It did happen like that for me. And sometimes you waiting for people to give you the platform or to give you um, the green light when God has already given you the green light to go. So we're going to be talking about how do you know? How do you know? So based on my experiences, I'm going to be implementing some of the things that God has dealt with me on and how he deals with me prophetically and how he deals with me as a mouthpiece of his. And so we have to be willing to be teachable. We have to be willing to sit at the feet of seasoned leaders. I'm going to say that again, because it's a lot of people on YouTube and it's a lot of voices on social media and it's a lot of people. You can tell just as good the people that are seasoned in the prophetic and the people that are just getting words and think that they're just supposed to spew out words. And how do you know that? You know, by way of the Holy Spirit, first and foremost, in the word of God, because it doesn't line up with the word. It may be a true word from the Lord, but it also may not be in the right delivery. Because sometimes you can give a word, but the timing is off and that the delivery is not quite what, the way God wanted you to deliver that word. Um, just because we know something, you know, we don't have to run and hurry up and tell it because we had a dream or because we know something. And I actually went back and forth with an individual a while back. I think it was um, months, months ago, maybe last year. Um, went back and forth with an individual regarding this. They gave a prophetic word on aliens. And then after they give the prophetic word, there was nothing to bring the people to the other side. There was no scripture attached. There was no... Now, he may indeed have 
a word from the Lord regarding aliens. And I'm not saying that he didn't have and that they are not demons because I do know that they are. But I just kind of uh, had a word of correction, you know, and I don't typically do that when I look or I read the comments or see people saying whatever, unless God, you know, prompt me to do that. And immediately the re response was very prideful from him. And uh, that lets me know that there was a lack of maturity, but also that lets me know that God doesn't just give us words and give us information just to say, look what we know. Look what God told me. Look what God showed me. That is not how God get down. And that's not how God operate. God always operates with intention, with a design in mind and with a plan in mind that just because he tells you something and show you something doesn't, it may not mean you need to deliver it. And then it's about the delivery. When you do deliver it, are you delivering it from the soulish realm? Are you delivering it, um, in a way that would make people, uh, have fear you know, because God does not release words in the, in a spirit of fear that is of the enemy. So you can have the right word, but have the wrong delivery that will actually cause people to go into a panic or fear. And God does not give us the spirit of fear. It's all about your delivery because the Bible says that God will always provide a way of escape. He always brings you back to scripture. He always gives you a way to um, defeat the enemy. So just because you give a word, you have to also give the instruction on how to get over or how to deal with that particular word that you have been given. It's not enough to just say, oh, aliens come to earth, stay out of crowds. No, that's not how, how it works because now you have instilled a fear into the people. And how do I know that? Because based on the other comments of people, which is why God prompted me to give a word of correction, because I can hear people saying, well, what are we supposed to be doing or what we, you know, uh, stay out of crowds, what that mean? And I can sense the fear stirring. I can sense it. And, and instead of giving an answer, people just leave you with that and go to the next video just so that they can get a like or get uh, algorithm moving on the YouTube channel. And that's not of God. Fear is not of God. So when you've given a word as a young prophet and as a prophet that you have to be able to give it in the way that it brings glory to Jesus. And guess what? Prophetic words will always point people back to Jesus. So not only giving the word, but then providing a scripture and saying, well, this is, we know we are overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of our testimony and that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And we have authority to trade and to trample over serpents and scorpions. And God tells us not to be afraid. You have to bring balance to the word of God. There's no such thing as just giving a word and, and then leaving or telling the people, oh, you need to repent and run off. You know, that that's not of God. That's not of God. And even if it is a word of God, there's a time and a season for that word. And just like the children of Essachar, we have to be able to discern the times and the seasons for things. Okay. Because just because God tells you something doesn't mean is you supposed to release it right away. And even if he tells you to release it, we need to release in the spirit of humility and a spirit of love. And then we need to have scripture to bring people balance to what you're saying. And if there's no scripture in the vision or the dream or the experience that you had doesn't line up with the word of God, you might want to put that one on the shelf. You might even want to dismiss it altogether. That was my intro. So let's get into it. So prophets are born with the gift. In fact, all people are born with the gift. We see this in Jeremiah 
uh, chapter one, in the very beginning of verse four, he said, the word of the Lord came to me saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. As the so Allah's sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you and I will rescue you, declares the Lord. So we see here in Jeremiah 21 that he said, before I formed you in the womb, meaning you existed before you came to the woman's womb to come to into the, in the earth atmosphere. We all existed prior to even that. God created us in spirit form and we got the body suit when we went in the womb. That's how it works, right? So he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. So he already knew the beginning from the end, what he designed you for. This is why I say you can't piggyback and copycat off of other people. And you got to be your true, authentic self, your original self, whatever that looks like. Because guess what? Chances are God has a specific audience or a specific type of person that he created your personality for, for you to minister to, or for you to sow into, right? Or, or there are certain people that are drawn to your personality. They're drawn to the way you do things, the way you laugh, the way you, um, your personality is. And that is what God uses. This is why we're not called to everybody in the world. We're called to a specific group on our journey back to heaven. We're called to specific people and that particular personality that God has blessed you with may come off being harsh or may come off being strong or may come off being soft, but that particular personality, however he created you, which is fearfully and wonderfully made, is the way he wants you to deliver and to operate in your original authentic self. This is why you can't uh, try to mimic someone else. God wants you to be original. He doesn't want you to die a copy of someone else. So we see this in Jeremiah 21. Before he knew us, he formed us, right? He ordained us to be prophets to the nations, right? So what typically happens is uh, with prophets, I know with me, in the beginning of my walk in 2000, when I first got saved, was saved when I was a little girl, but then I really met Jesus in 2000, right? So when I first got saved, I noticed something before I even knew what I was called to do or anything. What I noticed is God would um, um, draw me in, right? So we see, um, you know, prophets are born with the gift, but God would draw me in and he would, um, it was a rigor, just a thirst and a hunger for the word of God. And I'm telling you, when I see a thirst and a hunger, it's like I could not get enough of the word of God. And I would study, study, study in between working and between doing daily things. Now, we're not going to be religious. It's it's based on the time that you have to do what you need to do. So that's how God deals with us. He knows the practical part of why we're here on earth and what things we need to do. So that's why we always need to bring balance to the things that we're doing in the body of Christ and in the kingdom of God. Because sometimes people can... Uh, uh, and I want to say this can come off as being like, they're so spiritual and they do, and they don't look at Netflix. They don't look at TV. They don't do nothing, but 24 seven, they reading the word. They telling you on the camera that you need to be into the word. You know, you don't need to do Netflix and chill. You don't need to do this. And you, you need to be fasting and praying 24 seven. That is not 
how it works. Don't let people fool you. I don't care who's on the other side of the camera, how long they've been saved. I don't care how seasoned they are and how anointed you think they are. Everybody lives in this earth and therefore you have to marry the practical with the spiritual. You, it's no such thing. And I've seen this and this, the reason why I'm addressing this is because I've seen people do this. Oh, you Netflix and chilling. The reason why you don't know God is because of this and you ain't read your Bible. You ain't did this and you just, let me stop that right there. There's a time and season and place for everything, Ecclesiastes 3. If you think for one second that the people that's on this camera and that's anointed, that, that you look up to, is doing this stuff 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you are sadly mistaken. And I see that it comes across like that, that if you watch a TV show or if you do this or do that, then you're not seeking God. Even though you already done prayed in the morning and read your word, you need to be doing it all day. The devil is a liar. I've seen marriages fail because of that. I've seen marriages fail because we were at church five days a week. I've seen kids fall under the, the attack of the enemy because there was no time for parenting. It was all about ministry. I wasn't meaning to go here, but I'm going with the Holy Ghost. I've seen marriages. Every marriage that was under the ministry I was under is now in a divorce because there was no work, no even time to wash clothes. You were going, they were going to the house, stepping over clothes because they wasn't able to do laundry because they're out evangelizing. They're out doing this. Let me just say this. Your first prophetic ministry is to your family first. If you are married and have a spouse and have children or you are a parent <clears throat> or even just for the sake of your sanity, your first ministry is to your family. How can a man, and Paul talks about this in the New Testament, how can you run a household of God when your home is in a complete disaster? You see this all the time. You have one spouse heavily into church and the other spouse not really so much into church, but the other spouse make them feel bad because they are not saved or because they're not uh, doing all of the spiritual things that they think that they're doing, right? That's the devil is a liar. There isn't, you have to have order in your home before you can stand over people and minister to people or think you a leader in a ministry. So if <clears throat> I, I say this all the time, your life <clears throat> is the most powerful sermon that you'll ever preach your life, not the word, <clears throat> not you standing in front of people and doing all of that. It's your life, your life. So if your life is a complete an utter disaster at the house where you have more respect for the people at church or in the ministry than you do for your own spouse or your children or spend more time outside more than you do for your family, then you are out of order. You are out of order. And I come today to talk about the prophetic, and this is a part of it, because you see people going from here to there to here to there, here to there. They preaching. They got to be in five conferences. They got to be over here. But you know what? The most important thing Jesus said is to sit at his feet, is to glean from him, is to read your word and spend time with the Holy Spirit. After that comes your family, your children. Raise them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, right? Raise them up so that they will not depart from what they have learned from. But how can you raise up a child when you're never there? How can you impart into your children when you're never there? When your attention is more on the ministry than it is your family. We going somewhere with this. 
So then the, I'm going to the next point. The next point, but with prophets, they are born with the gift, but the prophet is made. Look at the powder's house. And we look at Jeremiah 18. And when we look at Jeremiah 18, we see that the potter and the wheel, that is a, a direct representation of how God molds us as prophets and how he shapes us. He puts us on that potter's wheel and he began to mold and he began to shape us into the image of Christ, into our assignment, the way he wants us to articulate, the way he wants us to speak, the way he wants us to love on people, to have humility, to be in a state of always repentance. And we need to also be in a position that we're able to speak the word in love. With love and kindness do I draw thee. Not with arrogance, not with pride, not with I'm the know-it-all attitude, but with love and kindness. Let's keep it moving. So you can have a gift, but lack the character to sustain it for God's purpose and glory. I'm going to say that again. You can have the gift, but you lack the maturity and you lack the character to keep it. So your gifting will often take you places that the character can't keep you. I'm sure you've heard that before. I've said that before. You can have the gift. And I think this is where the lines are blurred in, in ministry and in the prophetic. We think because someone has an, an anointing or a gift, that that means the character must line up with the gift. And that is so far from the truth. So we see in 1 Samuel, uh, the king Saul, how he was reprimanded by Samuel because he was disobeying God. Even though he was a king, he had to get correction. So we see this in 1 Samuel 13, chapter uh, verse 9, or I should say, um, it says, so he said, bring me out burnt offerings and fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up burnt offerings just as he finished making the offering. Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. Verse 11, what have you done? Asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. Verse 13, you have done a foolish thing. This is what Samuel said to him. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord our God gave that he gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. So we see that even in this, that Saul was, um, like I said, when you don't wait for God and when you, when you prophetic and when you want to hurry up and get that word out and you have not said and been taught and, and, and learned how the prophetic works and operated in and set on the seasoned prophets, this is what happens. You presumptuously go forth, you give the word, and then the word is of no effect because you didn't give it in the timing which God says, or you didn't deliver it with the love of God or with the mission that God gave you to deliver that word. There was no fruit from it. So even in 1 Samuel 13, 13, he says again, you have done a foolish thing. Samuel said, you have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, you would have established your kingdom over Israel. And these are the things we have to remember when we're operating in the prophetic. How do we know? We, we, we know through, and this is what happened to me. We know through sitting at the feet of Jesus. He pulled me in to read that word. I was praying three times a day before I knew what 
uh, Daniel was before I even read the book of Daniel. I just felt compelled to, to pray three times a day. And then I found out later that that's what Daniel did as I continued to my journey in the Lord. Um, as I went to start getting throughout the Bible and I said, oh my gosh, I'm doing the same thing Daniel was doing. Another thing too is when God is um, preparing you and he's showing you what you're uh, called to be and the type of prophet you're called to be because there's different types of prophets. He kept pulling me to the book of Daniel. He kept pulling me to the book of Ezekiel and Joseph, you know, Joseph with the dream interpretations. And um, those are the three prophets. I can say strongly, those are the three Ezekiel. When you see something, you need to warn them or that's the blood will be on your hands. I have a lot of those scriptures come at me. So you will begin to see that God will begin to take you to those prophets that um, you have the certain type of. Uh, prophetic ministry is going to mimic theirs, right? So we know that some prophets are called to the nations. Some prophets are called to their families. Some prophets are called to the church. Some prophets are called to the workplace. Some prophets are even called to um, um, the street, you know, just uh, marketplace ministry, ministering on the street. It just depends on your assignment. This is why you can't mimic nobody else and you have to be the original authentic you. And it's okay to learn from people, but keep in mind that you have to be who God has called you to be. Okay. And so the character and the gift are two different things. We see this, you can have a gift, but the gift can, uh, you can use it for wickedness, right? So we see this in the book of Numbers 22, ch uh, chapter 22, uh, chapter 24. This is the story we all know of Balaam. Balaam was a true prophet of God, but he was a wicked prophet. And Balaam's name and story is infamous. He is referred to several times in the New Testament. Peter compares false teachers to Balaam, who loved the wages of wickedness. Jude echoes this sentiment associating Balaam with the selling of one's soul for financial gain. So this is the thing with, with, when it comes to that, right? God talks about this and he talks about this even in the book of Revelations. He talks about in Revelations, I believe it's 2, uh, two and 14 and it reads, Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. There are some among you who hold the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food, sacrificed to idols, and committed sexual immorality, which is directly tied with witchcraft and manipulation. You would find, and I'm going to say this, that a lot of prophetic people, the enemy often assigns prophetic witchcraft to follow them. So what you, how does this look in real time? This is, this happens to me all the time. You often meet people along the way, right? Through workplace, through business, through uh, relationships. You meet people in church. They even sitting in church, baby. I hate to say it. So what you'll find is a true prophet of God often gets assigned from the enemy. And because the enemy knows a false prophet to glean from them, to steal information from them. I've had so many people that only befriend me so that they can get prophetic insight into things that they, in their, in their life that is happening because they know that it's a true calling of God and that you have a true word of the Lord in your mouth. And they want to use that or prostitute that gift so that they can be um, uh, gleaned from it 
illegally, basically. They don't want to sit in the counsel of the Lord because it's nothing wrong with giving someone a prophetic word, but there's something wrong with gleaning from a person and not getting your own word intimately with Jesus. Again, a true prophet is going to always point you back to Jesus. Anybody that points you to themselves or they put attention on themselves or they wanted to be, look what I said, look what I did, or if it wasn't for me, this wouldn't have happened, or look what I said, give the glory to God, point people right back to Jesus. Yes, thank God it happened. If it wasn't for God, I wouldn't have known that. It had to be the gift. You always give glory back to God. You always point people back to Jesus. But these are people that will sit in your space and will follow you, will I, I can't even describe it. They will befriend you this so that they can constantly, what you think God is saying? What you think, what, what you think about this or what you think about that? And there's nothing wrong with that to a certain degree. There's something wrong with it when that's all you do and you're not sitting with God yourself. You're not praying for yourself. You're not getting a word for yourself because ultimately Jesus wants you in an intimacy with him. Even though he has prophets and he has people that is speaking on his behalf, he wants your undivided attention because as bad as you want the blessing or the breakthrough, he wants the pursuit. So then we go back to say the anointing does not equal purity. You can be anointed and have a wicked fruit, a wicked heart. So the anointing does not equal purity. And this is where the lines get blurred. The character and the gift are two separate things. I see this all the time. I see people that you like and love and that you probably look at on a weekly basis that come and give you prophetic insight on things or, or, or words. But I see, but God will show you the wickedness in their heart. And this is the spirit of Balaam. This is a spirit where Balaam actually was a true prophet of God, but because of his wickedness for financial gain, he prostituted and he led the people, the Israelites into, uh, because he couldn't curse them directly. Every time Balak wanted him to curse the people of God. And you read this in the book of Numbers, Numbers 22, and you just keep reading from there. And you'll see the story of Balak and Balaam. Balaam was the prophet and Balak was the one that wanted him to curse the people of Israel. And he couldn't do it because he kept saying, I cannot bless what God, I cannot curse what God is blessed. So as time went on, he found a way to uh, to lead the people astray so that they can curse their curse themselves instead of him doing the direct cursing. He led them into idolatry and sexual immorality by suggesting certain things. And let me just say this. Let me just say this. And this is a wicked prophet so that he can get the gains from Balak. This was all about financial gains for him. So you have some prophets that are truly called by God and truly have the gift, but their heart is wicked. And we know the story. He ended up dying. God dealt with him. Okay. But God still gave him prophetic words. And that's where people don't get it. They, they're thinking just because this person is sitting, giving you prophetic forecasts and they're giving you this and they're giving you that information, right? They think that this person have enough sense not to play with God like that, right? But the flip side of the coin, if you really peer in and God allow God to show you the spirit behind the person, you'll see the financial gain behind it. Because every time you look up, there's an offering that's 
that they need or a book to be sold or a conference that you need to, to sow into. Or when you get to the conference, you need to sow hundreds of thousands of dollars. Now, they're not going to say this because they're real slick and the enemy is real conning and he's crafty. But if you pay attention, I'm going to keep saying that. If you pay attention, you're going to see the fruit of the heart of people. You're going to see the fruit. The Bible says you will know a tree by its fruit, not by the gift. Not by the gifts. So you can be gifted, but baby, you can also be wicked with the gift. So then I'm going to go to this. And then um, I'm almost done here. Um, then number three, there are multiple seasons of growth and testing long before the gift comes into maturation. You see that with Joseph. You see that with King David. David was anointed 17, 18 years before he walked in his full calling at age 30. Um, he... Um, they went and anointed him, you know, as a young boy, but he didn't walk in the fullness of that calling for another 17 or 18 years. So there are multiple seasons, even in those seasons while you're waiting for God, that as a prophet, God will take you through multiple testings and seasons on that potter's wheel to refine you and to teach you and to transform you into the image of Christ because that's the ultimate goal. He's transforming us daily. This not a one size for all that I have arrived. We have not arrived, guys. This is a daily walk. The Bible says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Nobody has arrived. Everybody, I don't care what leader is standing in front of you, who's speaking, what prophet, everybody goes through a season of testing. They go through, a, and it's a constant thing with God. Everybody goes through seasons and, and different refiners fire that God will take you through. You can have the gift, but lack the maturity and the authority that you walk in. You need the maturity and the authority to walk in that gift. And then you can be anointed long before you are called. And I mention that as I, we talk about King David into the office of the position of a prophet. We talked about that um, just a few minutes ago, uh, 17 years before he actually walked into the fullness of his calling. And so here are some different seasons of a true prophet of God. And this is based on my personal experience. Here are some seasons. So one is God often calls us unto himself before he calls you to a congregation or a platform as a prophet. I'm going to say that again. God will often call you to himself before he call you to govern people. So there are seasons that you will go in that you will feel kind of invisible. Even when you're in ministry and you're in church or you're doing your thing every day, it will kind of be like you feel invisible that nobody sees the gift on you. Nobody sees your calling. He does that for a reason. This is to get the pride out. This is to, to work those things out of don't nobody see me or they don't give me a platform or I, I prophesy way better than this person and they don't even use me. God specifically is hiding you for a reason. He's working out the pride. He's working out some things out of us so that we are able to be mature mouthpieces for him. So he'll also call you to himself in terms of you'll have a thirst and hunger for reading of the word and, and for spiritual things. And he'll feed your spirit man so that your spirit man can grow and that it can be nurtured and matured, right? And then he will even call you um, 
and, and, and you be skilled in intercession and prayer. Your ministry as a prophet should be built on intercession. It should be built on prayer. It should be built on intimacy with Jesus. That's how you see the fruit. And then when you come out of that cave, I call it a cave. When you come out of that cave in those seasons, you begin to, everybody begin to see how mature you are, but they don't realize all of the things that you've gone through to get to that point. So all prophets are prophetic intercessors and skilled in prayer and skilled in weapons of war through much studying of God's word. The word of God is a powerful thing. It's not only reading the word and studying the word, but things begin to supernaturally happen when you're reading the word of God and when God is training you and teaching you. He's breaking down ideologies. He's renewing thoughts. He's renewing minds. He's breaking old traditions and religious spirits that have set up monuments and altars in your head. There's a supernatural thing happens when you read the word. It's not just about reading the word. There are things that are taking place mentally and spiritually when you are reading the word of God. It goes way beyond just reading words on a paper. This is why it has to be revealed by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can reveal the word of God to you and breathe on those words to make those words life, right? Three, all prophets go through seasons of testing and temptation through the seasons. Um, though the seasons are ongoing, some are more intense than others. So you will have different seasons where you have more intense seasons of testing, more intense seasons of things that are that God are taking you through that refiner's fire so that he can test your heart and that he can get those impurities and those things out of you so that when you begin to speak on his behalf, it's coming from a place of obedience. It's coming from a place of love. It's coming from a place of compassion for people and a love for God. And it's coming from a place of a fear of the Lord, which is a respect for who he is and his word. And number four, um, all are called, but few are chosen is Matthew 22 and 14 to actually be his mouthpiece. We don't deserve it or we don't earn it. We just need to accept it. We don't deserve it and we don't earn it. This is not something he give us because we're good people, because we have followed all of the laws and the commandments and we've done everything right. The Bible says that he who says he has no sin is a liar in 1 John. People that say they have no sin is a liar and the truth is not in them. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin, but there is a character that God is building. There's a perseverance that he wants you to keep moving because in that perseverance, he's developing your character. He's developing your skill, your um, hearing, right? He's developing um, in a way that you'll be able to hear him, even in his subtlest form, even be able to know the enemy in his subtlest form. So the fruit of the spirit are the most evident and are most Evident in the chosen mouthpieces of God, according to Galatians 5 and 22, we see the fruits of the spirit. So when the Bible says you will know a tree by its fruit, it means just that. I don't care what the gifts say. I don't care how prophetic and how skilled you are, because the Bible says, though I prophesy and I know all mysteries of the spirit. And though I have all this knowledge of God and have not love, I have nothing. So you can be anointed. But if you don't have Galatians 5.22, then you have nothing. Love, fruit of the spirit, joy, peace, long-suffering, right? We have to have the fruit evident. 
That's why the Bible says you will know a tree by its fruit, that no matter who's prophesying to you, no matter who's giving you the prophetic forecast, no matter who's, who's giving you prophetic words, it doesn't matter. What fruit are they bearing? Again, your life is the most powerful sermon you will ever teach. Not the word of God, it's your lifestyle. Your lifestyle is gonna rebuke the devil. Your lifestyle, walking after God, loving on people, being obedient to his word, not being perfect, but being moving in a way that's being transformed into the image of God and keeping the main thing, the main thing. Prophets will always point you back to Jesus, not to themselves. They will always, Lord, should I put, should I ask for money? Should I ask for somebody to sow? Am I always throwing up a book in front of somebody or a way to make some money, a conference or a, 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 a class or a course or anything? And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. Nothing's wrong with that. But if every time I look up, I can't look at your channel, I can't go to the church, I can't go to the conference without giving some money, then you might want to step back and ask God about it. Because I'm telling you, it's some people that I have asked God about that I can see things and when I tell you God has given me dreams and revealed the spirit behind the people, I'm not at liberty to say anything. But this is why God wants us to have an intimate relationship with him because he does not want the enemy to make a fool out of you. He will foolproof you if you want the truth. If you want people more than you want the truth, then you're going to get hoodwinked every single time. Every single time you're going to get hoodwinked. When you love people more than you love God, when you love the ministry and the prophetic more than you love God, when you love the gift more than you love the giver of the gift, deception is a given. It's going to happen because you have made that person and those things an idol in your heart and God will give you over to that idol in your heart and you still running on thinking you hearing from God they must be anointed because there's no way in the world they will play with God like this they know the scripture they prophesy they do this but look at the fruit what type of fruit are they bearing are they having an altar call are they bringing people to Christ or is the Agenda all about promoting things, selling things. Are they telling you to repent? Are they bringing you and saying, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are they saying, do you, are you filled with the gift of speaking in tongues? If none of those things are present, that's going to bring you to Christ and bring you to a full maturation and help you to grow spiritually, you might want to step back and you might want to take another look at it and look good and ask God to show you the spirit behind the word. That's where the truth is going to come in. I heard this girl say at a conference, we was at a conference, um, Apostle Tommy and Toby was here in Dallas, Texas, and I went to that conference and we were, I met a few people, um, it throughout that process, you know, and I was talking to a few girls and I heard one lady say in our conversation, she said, if I don't know people by the spirit, she said, I really don't know them. <laughs> and I'm going to say, I said, I like that one. I like, she said, it's true. If you don't know people by the spirit, you really don't know them. And God, and the only person that, that can show you is the Holy Spirit. But guess what? Sometimes God will show us, but we don't want to believe it. We don't want to think this person is doing what we think they're doing. We don't want to think this person because they're so anointed and they're so gifted but that they can possibly be swindling me out of money. They couldn't possibly be trying to get uh, financial gain, but they do it in such a clever and slick way 
<laughs> see God on that one. So then I'm going to go to the refiner's fire. We see that in Job 23, uh, uh, 10 and Proverbs 17 and um, 3. Um, the testing and the waiting, learning how to trust God, right? Uh, the refiner's fire, it melts down metal for gold or silver for purification purposes. And I talked about that refiner's fire being on that potter's wheel, right? And I talked about how God is refining us and changing us into the image of Jesus. Um, so there's a refiner's fire that prophets go through, that go through a seasons of refining, not, not constantly, but there are seasons. And then your refiner's fire may look different from mine. Everybody though, is not, does not have the same purpose, does not have the same type of people they have to be around or the same type of ministry or the same type of uh, purpose and destiny God has for us. So your refiner's fire may look different from mine, but rest assured there will be a refiner's fire. There's nobody nobody that goes around that. Everybody who is called by God goes through that. And unfortunately, some people just don't want to go through the process. And as a result, they are not chosen. They're called, but they're not chosen. So um, speaking and hearing the voice of God comes through trial and error. That's how you learn. You typically learn early in your walk with the Lord to discern his voice. Once you surrender to the call, it comes effortless, effortlessly. At first, it may not because you haven't totally surrendered. But when you surrender, I heard God's voice when I first got saved in 2000. It's not like, oh, how do you hear the voice of God? What do God sound like? I just simply, by faith, said, ask questions, and God gave me answers. And I heard the voice of God, right? Not audibly, but internally. So speaking and hearing the, uh, the voice of God comes through trial and error. And that's how you learn. A lot of people want to call people false prophets because they may say something and it may be premature or they miss it. That doesn't make you a false prophet. False prophets are people that take you away from the Lord that lead you into a path of destruction, just like Balaam. We see the example. If you ever want to know what a false prophet is, Read the book of Numbers, chapter 22, the story of Balaam. He had the gift, but he was a wicked prophet because he wanted financial gain. He's used his gift to get financial gain. And that's anything that pulls you away from Jesus or points the attention on me, or it's not about, it's not, it's about me, or it's about my books. It's about this and it's about that. And it's not about, did you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you, are you? Do you have a prayer life? Do you have intimacy with Jesus? If it doesn't point you back to him, then it's not of God. I don't care how gifted and how swift and slick they talking. It doesn't make, it doesn't matter. That's why you have to ask God to show you the spirit behind the word. That is the word of the Lord today, the making of a prophet. There's so much more to it, but that's where I'm going to stop right here. I pray that this uh, message has blessed you. Uh, please like, comment, and subscribe if you've been here and you haven't subscribed, or if you haven't liked the video, please, it helps me get into the YouTube algorithm. And then um, also, if you want to opt in and you want to receive the prophetic encouragement, um, just go ahead and text Live Free to 770-692-7751, and that information will be in the description. And again, until the next time, guys, I will see you in the next video. Bye, loves.